Welcome back to another episode of Essential Viewing. Today we are discussing Paul Brickman's classic 1983 film, Risky Business, starring Tom Cruise. Um, as always, we'd like to hear from you, the listeners, on what you thought about this episode, past episodes, what movies you'd like us to watch in the future, really just anything you want to tell us, we want to hear it. Um, so you can reach us by leaving us a voice message on our anchor page or leaving us a comment on our Instagram page, which is at essential underscore viewing. If you'd like to watch along to the movies with us, uh, next week we will be watching the new horror film X, written and directed by Ty West, which will be available in theaters uh, on March 18th. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy our discussion of Risky Business. All right, and we are back with another episode of Essential Viewing in our classic format. I'm your host and picker of today's film, Cole Bielan, joined by... Uh, Christian Cuevas. And Bryce Kramer. And today, we're going to be talking about the 1983 teen sex comedy, Risky Business, <laughs> directed by Paul Brickman and starring Tom Cruise and Rebecca De Mornay. I'm very excited for this film. I was looking forward to picking it after seeing it, you know, sometime last year. Before we dive into discussion of this this film, let's head over to the roundtable where we discuss the the films, the television, the media that we've been watching <laughs> over this last week. I feel like so, I've heard uh, that one before. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, it's a good bit. I figured I'd, I'd try it out myself. Um, <laughs> so, Bryce, why don't, why don't you start us off at the roundtable? Yeah, I watched uh, two movies this week, both foreign films. Um, I liked them both quite a bit. One was the, um, it's kind of very, very interesting. I've never seen anything like it before. It was this animated documentary called Flea. Um, from, uh, it's, it's, it's a Danish movie, but it's about um, this guy from Afghanistan and like his family that were like refugees and like constantly like trying to um, escape to safety and get out of from like they went from like Afghanistan to Russia and like some of them made it to like Sweden, some of them made it to, to Denmark. And it was a really interesting uh, movie because the whole thing is like all of the dialogue is literally like a, an interview between this guy and the filmmaker. Um, and then like they don't want to use like they're they're at risk of like revealing real people's names, real people's faces. So like they animate, um, you know, past moments in his life and then past and then, like, actually, the interview itself between the two, and like, kind of like the, what's going on in his his current life. Um, but it was super good. Um, highly recommend it. I think it, it, I watched it on Hulu. I think it's like a Hulu release or exclusive or whatever. Um, mm, okay. But that was it. Was it was really good? Very a very unique, both animated movie and um, documentary. Um, just high praise for that one. Um, and the other one I watched was The Worst Person in the World from... Oh, man, you were staying in uh, in Scandinavia <laughs> this week. Yeah, I went to the theater to see this one um, from, from Norway. Um, it's another kind of romantic, relationship-based, like, coming-of-age movie, um, except not risky business is, like, in the... They're, like, in high school. This She's, like, almost turning 30, or I think she does turn 30 in the course of the movie, but it's kind of... Um, similar situation like she's she's kind of aimless trying to figure out her life um, and I just I absolutely loved this movie so much I, it might be it might be a pick in the future I liked it so much um, oh man it's it's presented in a kind of this like unique format it's like 12 chapters plus like a prologue and an epilogue and like 
some of the chapters are like really short some are like really long um and like it just becomes like it kind of i feel like it transcends this sort of coming of age what the genre is like typically about to just be like the super like profound like moving moving film um the performances are super good they're like some very standout um like surreal segments um Mm. that are very very strange and kind of mix it up um from the typical style the movie's in um just just a really a really good movie um Mm. highly 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 recommend i I gave that one five stars i think just the, the the foreign films, I'm, I've just been loving them recently. Yeah. Like, I well, like Drive My Car a lot, but I think I like this one. I like this one even more. When I saw trailers for this film in the uh, in the theaters a while ago now, I was pretty bearish just from, from what I saw in the trailer and what I kind of assessed the arc to be. And now that you gave it five stars, Bryce, I'm even more bearish. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. If you, make, if you pick it in the future, I'll have to watch it. It, um... When it started out, I was also like the first like 20, 30 minutes. So I was also feeling kind of bearish, but like, I don't know. It doesn't take like the same turn as something like the hand of God, but like it gets like pretty serious and, um, okay. Like not, not monumental, but like becomes very impactful and like moving and whatnot. It's not just like, Oh, she figured it out. Like there's some serious stuff that, that goes on and it's really well made, really well written. Um, some unique filmmaking going on so it it was it was great but yeah that's all i got this week all right chris yeah um i've only got one uh i watched the movie uh croupier which is from uh gee i'm actually forgetting what year the movie is from i think it's from the the 90s uh i'm not sure exactly the year but it's starring uh clive owen as a as a croupier which is i suppose the english word for a, a dealer um so anyways he, he's a writer who also uh kind of moonlights as a as a blackjack dealer and it actually bears a lot of similarities to this movie that we just watched um uh, risky business in, in the way that like oh, wow. you have this you have this character who is kind of in search of 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 a bit of thrill out of life um in the case of Krupier, he's trying to write a book so he so all these things are happening to them, and he's going against his better judgment and sort of saying yes to things that he should be saying no to for the for the sake of finding some inspirations so that he can finish his book. Um, so it's this very interesting uh, kind of story, and it has it 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 kind of uh, feels a lot like a Paul Schrader movie. Like you have like <laughs> you literally have like a whiskey like at the desk narration voiceover scene where the character is like explaining kind of the tortured workings of their their inner mind and um you also have some really great like casino card card count it it is very similar to the card counter yeah you have some really great casino action like the Mm. sound design of like the cards being dealt and the the chips kind of flying around the table which again a lot of the action of the movie is just like scenes at card tables but the sound design of those moments almost is like at an asmr level almost oh, it's man. kind of <laughs> it's kind of a it was kind of a trip like watching all these card scenes watch this one with your headphones on yeah just because of how good the sound design was so yeah a lot of like really cool things in this movie and clive owen is is a fantastic actor who i've i've been a fan of for for some time he doesn't get much attention um, but he's he's a he's a real killer, and he's been in some some great stuff that I'll have to I'll have to put some of his stuff on for the podcast here. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend that one. It's on Netflix. It's like ninety minutes long. It's in their ninety minute movies section, which is why I watched it, and uh, yeah. I was really 
I was really, uh, you know, uh, I wasn't, I w don't know what I was expecting, but I, it definitely exceeded my expectations. Um, like so a really, we, we, huh, we can pick, ahead. we can pick children of men together. <laughs> burn two picks on, on one. Yeah. The first ever yeah. joint, joint pick. That's great. Yeah, Cause yeah. then I'll get to pick another movie sooner. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I recommend it. it. It's a good time. Nice. All right. And, um, for myself, I had a pretty busy week. Um, I guess to address the elephant in the room, or should I say the bat in the room, I will. We're gonna readdress. Welcome to the special segment where Cole reassesses his score from the Batman, which was oh, thank God. the episode of from last week. Um, I went and saw this movie in the Dolby Cinema um, at my residential AMC theater, and uh, I, I I gotta say I will. I my score from last week's episode was low, as you guys pointed out. Um, the I I wonder if it's just I was more comfortable with like what was going to happen in the film or seeing it a second time it made sense and it just like sat better with me um even the rata alada moment um really didn't have me like cringing as hard as it did the first yeah, time I saw you guys really it. railed into that last week <laughs> it, we we did and I think I think kind of rightfully so but it was um it, it still was a bit goofy but other than that I I think. I did enjoy the film quite a bit. The Batman is a, a good movie overall. Um, the moments in the theater uh, were only enhanced by the Dolby Cinema, especially ah. Chris. You, you pointed out the um, when the Batman is punching the Riddler's uh, like glass window into his cell during kind of yeah. toward the end of the movie. The thump from those hits just like resonates through the whole theater, and I felt my exactly. seat shaking, um, yeah. which is a really really fun experience. Um, the Batmobile scene was great to see again. I still stand by the fact that um, I think, and it's such a minor thing, but the fact that they kept his like lurch forward in into the film. I, I, people that are listening maybe won't even remember this, but there's a moment where like after this huge buildup of Batman, you know, getting ready to tear into the Penguin, sitting there like throttling the, or um, revving the engine of the Batmobile, and then he like lurches forward like he's just learning how to drive, and like. I get it. He's a new Batman, but it just like totally cuts the tension in the scene. And um, it was, it, it's a little disappointing to see, but overall, like again, the Batmobile is an awesome set piece moment in that film. I wish we had gotten to see more of it. And I hope we get to see more of it in the future. And because so, of that small detail, Cole has actually decreased his yeah. score to <laughs> yeah, two to stars. Two. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I, the, I'm going to play to the masses and the, the Batman gets four stars which means that it, it gets 13 total stars I, out of 15. I went down to four stars on it. Wait, what? Yeah. Okay, well, then it's 12 and a half. Did you see it again, too? No, I just I, I, I well, second-guessed myself. The only, myself. the only reason why I was giving it 4.5 is because of our corrupt backroom deal. So <laughs> mm. that means I'm going to revert to my previous rating of four stars. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. We, we can't. We're 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 honorable here on the yeah. podcast, yeah. right? You know, we yeah we we uh, repented for, or you guys repented for your sins. So that still feels wrong that it's not getting the seal of approval. But I guess it's a high bar. You know, we, it is a high we, bar. We, we, high we bar. set the high bar and we kind of been. We were giving them out left and right recently. Yeah. So. We need to rein it back in. I think twelve yeah. is still a very 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 high score. Yeah. Still a yeah. great score. You know. Well, yeah. we're not, I mean, we're obviously. Not, Obviously, you guys will be giving out a seal, you know, at the end of this episode, but we'll, right. we'll, we'll see. Well, I mean, I think we can say that you'd have to be you'd have to be El Rata Alada to not go see this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, yeah. Uh, anyway, so that that was my revisit. That was a watch for me this week. Um, 
in addition to uh, Risky Business, I guess actually I didn't watch that much else. The, o- the only television I watched this week was um, I saw or I f- finished the three-part Kanye West documentary, Genius, on Netflix. Oh, I've been saving that. Like, You've been saving it for all three yeah. episodes to come out or just like for the right moment? Yeah, just for the right moment. I don't like to just put something like that on casually. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I, I was – I will say I wasn't – um, it wasn't like – extremely casual i guess it took me that there it's basically for those listening at home and i feel like most people know this but there it's a three-part documentary each part is like a minimum of an hour and a half long so it's a basically a four and a half hour documentary about kanye west it's like a Um, trilogy of movies right essentially essentially but it's like yeah it has a very like distinct uh narrative in terms of like starting from the beginning when kanye is like just coming up in Chicago in like the early early 2000s and then taking through taking kind of through his life over the course of the series and it's it was very cool I enjoyed watching it um I it was especially cool because I am kind of I was someone that came into Kanye West music like much later into his career and so it was cool getting to go back and see him like making his first album and um and like all of the the hit songs off of it, and then also hearing him play all of these songs as he was working on them in like a time period where it just like no one else was making music like it, which was yeah. really really interesting. And I think part of the reason why he blew up so much when he first debuted. Um, the o- the only kind of gripe I have with the with it was that um, the the documentary was shot by this this one man. Um, I cannot remember his last name, but his first name is Cootie, and. Yeah. He um he, like he's there for like twenty years basically documenting a lot of Kanye West's life, and he does the narration for the film as well. And his narration is like a little goofy. It's like it's very flat, and it just sounds like he's kind of like reading off a piece of paper, like very in a very monotone voice the whole time. It, like it's fine. It's it's not. You're really there to watch Kanye on the screen, but um, it was it was uh. It was a good like overall watch um how much do we get to see of the presidential campaign um huh. i i don't i mean i don't really think this is a spoiler for chris there, there there's it's it's there it's there's well, some of it i read that um kanye like basically cut the the guy who made the movie like out of his life for like a solid like 10 years so yeah it's as it's, time goes on he like has less access to kanye and that like, yes kind of shows it, and is that is that like reflected in the the uh documentary Yes, yeah, it really is. So basically, like, I'll just give a very brief arc. So the first, the first episode or first like film basically focuses on Kanye right before he makes, and I it's the college dropout. Yes, I I need to remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thank you. Um, like as he's like kind of hyping it up and like getting ready to release it or trying to convince people that he has this like awesome album and get on Rockefeller Records. The second film is basically Kanye like after like immediately after releasing um the college dropout and like a few years after and like kind of him progressing and you know releasing his his follow-up albums and then there's a huge time jump where basically kanye cuts the 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 director out of his life and then it kind of picks back up in like the middle of the 2010s like right when kanye's starting to kind of maybe fall out of public favor i guess after he releases life of pablo and then and then like there's this kind of criticism and and um and then he runs for office and like kind of progresses from there. So you get to see a lot of like the current Kanye toward the end of the documentary. Mm. 
So that sounds really cool seeing like that whole kind of story. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really amazing seeing this this like large period of time chronicled pretty like yeah. seamlessly, except for you know that gap in the middle. But um, yeah, it was it was a good time. I think it's worth a watch. It is it is just like long. It's a big time commitment. So, um, but um, yeah, I think yeah that was it for me. Uh, and I watched Risky Business, which we're going to talk about now. So, um, I was very excited for this film. I I hope that uh the the outcome of last week's episode didn't leave you guys too sour and too uh, ready to dig your heels in and, and fight against <laughs> my pick. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna get up on get on up from the round table and we're gonna head over to the synopsis. And I would like to hear Chris provide a brief synopsis of Risky Business. Oh man! Uh, so Tom Cruise, uh, who plays uh, Joel, what's his last name? Um, Goodson. Goodson, yeah. So Tom Cruise, a, a young Tom Cruise. How old is he in this movie? I, I think he was 21. This was like 21. his breakout role. Wow, a 21 year old Tom Cruise in the uh, the 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 rich uh, Chicago suburbs. You know, he's just kind of an everyday kid. He he's you know trying to you know flirt with the girls at at um at his at his school and you know trying to do well and getting to college. All the usual troubles of a of a of a teenager. Um, in their senior, I guess I propose, um, I, I suppose senior year of high school. Sorry, my brain is totally scrambled. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's he's a senior in high school, and uh, he's he's trying to just you know live his life. And his parents go off for a trip. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the trip was for. Yeah, they sort like, of important. They went to Florida. They were yeah. just out partying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some sort of uh, important trip to Florida. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, Tom Cruise, Joel has a, a kind of mischievous friend um, who is encouraging him to kind of live a little, you know, enjoy, take some risks. Cause you got to take risks if you want to win in life, right? So Tom Cruise, um, so it kind of starts out where this friend uh, basically, um, and I'm forgetting the character's name. I hear furious typing, so maybe Miles that in for me. played by Curtis Miles. Armstrong. Okay, well, so Miles basically calls. They're looking at a newspaper, so Miles calls like some sort of newspaper adult classified section prostitute hotline <laughs> and like <laughs> has the person come to Tom Cruise's house right um mm-hmm. and of course you know being they're all like these horny uh 18 year olds they're all just obsessed with with sex 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 need more of it all the time so Tom Cruise to surprise is greeted by a a large man <laughs> in, a, in a in a in a dress and, and and wig and that's not exactly what he what he was expecting um and basically you know this person has come all the way from presumably like the city out to the suburbs so um tom cruise has to scrounge, scrounge together some money to pay him um and then uh on I the think, way out i think it's a woman i think she's just transgender okay to pay her um and then as they're as as they're settling up, um, she informs um, Tom Cruise that what you really want is available at this number, which is always, of course, in the movies, a five 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 something 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 number. <laughs> um, so he's got the number in hand, and he's got some more sexual dreams. So he decides to give Lana a call, and Lana comes out, and they have a a fantastic time in. Uh, Tom Cruise's house because obviously his parents are gone and that's when things start to go downhill when the next morning 
um, he realizes that his mother's precious glass egg is <laughs> is is missing. Um, Easter was ruined. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, from there, that's kind of basically it starts with the quest to get back the egg, but you know trying to patch over one hole kind of creates another problem and things just sort of spiral from there. Uh, and that's, that's sort of how the movie goes. All right. I think that was a, that was pretty solid. Um, a rough, rough start, but I think I pulled it together. Yeah, no, that, that was good. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> and now that we've gone over the synopsis, we can get down to business, risky, business. <laughs> risky business and head over to bull or bear. And we can talk about what you guys liked and, hopefully only liked about the film and nothing you dislike because this film is fantastic. So, um, Bryce, you want to, you want to share your thoughts, your opinions? Yeah. So, um, I, I definitely heard of this movie before. Like it's super famous. I know there's like that infamous sequence when like Tom Cruise is dancing around without pants on. Like parodied um, many times on America's funniest home videos. Yeah. yeah like every, everybody knows that, that moment. Um, but so going in, I was pretty, I, I, I did not know the plot at all. I, I just read like the one sentence um, explanation HBO Max gave for it. Mm-hmm. And the sentence was, Tom Cruise stars as a straight arrow teen who goes wild while his parents are away in this 80s comedy classic. And as soon as I read that sentence, I was like, oh, this sounds great. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, no. I was, so I was full bull, zero bear. Full bull. It was oh, full no. bull based on that one sentence. And, you know, I like Tom Cruise. I like the 80s, I like these kind of coming of age comedies. And and this this one definitely delivered. Um, oh, yeah. I, I really liked it a whole lot. Um, it kind of felt like you took, like, Ferris Bueller's day off, like, crank it up to 11 and, like, sprinkle some of, like, The Graduate on top of that. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of surprised I've never seen this before because it's, like, a genre I always I always enjoy. Um so of course I enjoyed this one. I do think um, I got a little bit of of uh, slack, or not not slack. I got a little bit of uh, controversy a couple of weeks ago, picking like the ultimate softball in terms of um, Citizen Kane. But here, here Cole has picked a film that drops um, the the Phil Collins song that oh <laughs> oh come on that, that we all love so much. So I think this may actually be the ultimate. <laughs> Essential viewing softball, yeah. you know, when... Oh, um, come on, get out. I, I'll be honest, I completely <laughs> forgot about that moment until I watched it again, and it was amazing because I got so hyped and excited. Yeah, when in, <laughs> in, like, the, in, the, in, in the Air Tonight drops by Phil Collins, I was like, oh, Cole got us. Yep, yeah. I got you. <laughs> got I mean, us. <laughs> I, that's actually the first time I've heard In the Air Tonight in a movie, which is surprising because it's obviously one of the greatest songs of all time if not the greatest song of all time (laughs) (laughs) i was like so surprised that like the um the what's the song that plays earlier in in the sock sequence Um, old time and rock and old time i'm surprised like that is like the standout scene when like the in the air tonight moment is like so much better (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's true um but anyways this this movie was great i loved it um oh yeah that's that's my first impression (laughs) all right chris (laughs) Hmm. Um. I'm. I guess I'm gonna be playing a little bit of the heel on. Oh on, no. On this week's episode, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's interesting because for for a movie that's so famous, I just like how famous this movie is, and also kind of like how it was described. My expectations were very different than like. Oh no. What the actual movie was, oh, and I actually me. was like, I actually was was kind of uh, was positively surprised about like 
as to how the movie actually was. I was sort of expecting more of like a goofy kind of, um, you know, one of those kind of like slapstick kind of comedies. But this was a, a lot like darker almost mm-hmm. and, and more um, stylized than I was expecting. But it was it was interesting, though, because it, it felt like the movie wasn't really sure whether it was a comedy or a drama. And I, and I feel like as a comedy... I don't really know how I don't I didn't think it was like super funny. Like I thought it was like like pretty exciting, like kind of and, and suspenseful, but I didn't think it was like some sort of like laugh out loud comedy. So I guess what I'm saying is that like I'm just surprised that the movie is so famous given like how much of like how not crowd pleasing it seems as far as like just sort of the style of it, if that makes yeah. sense. No, I, I, like I totally agree with you. I think it's very you. dramatic, except like a couple of like standout like one-liners or just like yeah. situationally <laughs> funny things that are happening. But it's not like a a joke, a scene-to-scene, joke-to-joke, like classic comedy. Yeah. Like it's not grown-ups. It's not an Adam yeah. Sandler yeah. joint. Yeah. I do have to say like um, Tom Cruise, like even at that age, he has this like wild like psychotic energy <laughs> radiating from him like i felt like at any moment he was just gonna like start stabbing people like, <laughs> like damn okay every time he got mad even a little bit in the movie i was like oh no like he's gonna like <laughs> lose it kill someone <laughs> but um yeah i mean look overall i i liked it and i thought there were some interesting things in there oh, i wasn't like i wasn't like blown away I just felt like it was a little bit uneven. Like I was, I was, I was honestly like a bit thrown off by it Mm -hmm. because it was like, so it's kind of similar to like licorice pizza, right? Like you have like, you know, both movies, you have like some young enterprising, (laughs) like, you know, person who's in some sort of like strange kind of like improbable romance. And they, you know, this movie had a lot more like structure, than licorice pizza but it was also a lot more like lurid and you know a bit more um i feel i know that like in licorice pizza like pta like purposely stayed hands off of any kind of of kind of crossing that sexual line mm-hmm. right and this movie just went over it at like 100 miles an hour you know <laughs> um which makes it better objectively yeah i mean that's not a criticism it's just an observation but yeah but i don't know i mean i think you know as we talk about it maybe i'll, I'll i will go one way or another but i wasn't mm-hmm. like I wasn't blown away by it. Okay. I mean, all right. That's that's fair. I think I a lot of your points you made I will agree with, but I think I just like like them more. Um the mm-hmm. main your main one being that this film you I when I turned this on the first time I watched it, I was expecting like Ferris Bueller's day off type like shenanigans, like pure kind of like wacky 80s comedy, which is fun and enjoyable, but you know, it only gets you so far. Where in this film, you get maybe less of the laugh out loud kind of humor. Um, there are some moments where I did like laugh out loud. The one that is coming to mind right now that is pretty childish is like kind of shortly after the opening scene, which I'll have to talk about later. Um, Tom Cruise is playing poker in the basement with like all of his friends, and they're yeah. all like chomping on cigars and and drinking beer, um, which is just like kind of a I mean, it may not too, totally preposterous, but just like a funny thing for like high school kids to be doing. And there's the, this bit of dialogue where they're talking about like Tom Cruise is, was with like a babysitter or something and yeah. how he was like he was like ready and like they were going to have sex. 
And then one of the kids is like, oh, I know, I, I bet I know what you did. You ran home and you probably whacked off. And then his friend Miles says, no, 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 I think I know what actually happened. He's like, did you have your bicycle? And he said, yeah. And he's like, yeah, you rode your bicycle home and you whacked off. <laughs> Which I thought was I thought was funny. Um, but anyway, yeah, this film is like, it's a blend of this kind of like, you know, there's some comedic elements to it, but there's this very stylized, fairly dark story being told in yeah. a way, um, which like, and, and that's why I enjoyed it so much because it stands out so much from like other films, especially from this time period. And especially because this film is apparently so famous. I think it's one of those things where this, this scene, uh, the infamous scene that Bryce mentioned earlier where Tom Cruise dances to old time rock and roll and his underwear and his socks. And he's just like running around the living room, having a good time. Like that is like the Ferris Bueller type moment, I think, in this movie. I mean, and, but that moment out of context is like so kind of like I feel like if you were to watch that moment, you'd get a totally different idea of what the it, movie is. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's that's part of it is like it maybe has gotten to a point where people watch this movie and then this scene for some reason stood out and people have like been exposed to only that. And then it's been kind of like because it is kind of silly, like he's, you know, Tom Cruise running around in his underwear. It's been like parodied or like replicated in a way to to a point where people don't know like the actual movie anymore. I was going to say, like. Is that the first time somebody ever danced in their underwear in a movie or something? Like, yeah, it, I, I agree. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why like that moment is like the so sta- big, the stand up. so strange. Yeah, it, it really is. When there are so many other like amazing moments and scenes in this movie that aren't purely funny, but they're either like a blend of like this really interesting kind of like dreamlike uh, or have these dreamlike elements, or are just fueled by the incredible. Uh, soundtrack in this movie a compilation of a lot of like pop songs we mentioned you know old time rock and roll we mentioned in the air tonight chris chris's pick for number one best song of all time (laughs) um and and as well as a fantastic original score by tangerine dream which was probably one of my favorite elements of this movie um I, I was not familiar with this this group i think they're a german kind of electronic group that still releases music today and um, they they like made this like kind of like twinkling electronic score that like fuels the movie so well. And yeah. there's some just like amazing moments where you have this the, their their music in the background, and it just like was my one of my favorite aspects of this film. Um, but uh, well, maybe we can talk about that a bit later. But like kind of the big thing about this film is like it is it's just it's weird. Like it's a weird movie. Like you don't get to see. You don't often see, like, you know, this high school student that's, like, you know, 17, 18 years old, and he's, like, calling up prostitutes, and, like, the whole plot of the film revolves around these kids, like, high kind of... kids having sex with prostitutes. Yeah, and, like, losing their <laughs> innocence it, it, to these women, and it's it's just, it's so strange, like, I never thought I would see a movie like this, and so there's, and like... you a, will not see a movie like this again. Yes, you're, you're 100% <laughs> right, and it's just, like... It's it's so strange, and the fact that it's kind of like rolled together with these like comedic elements, and then it's rolled together with this like, you know, solid style and direction that I feel like you almost never get in actual comedies or like at least comedies these days. Most comedies that are released in theaters now are just like shots over the shoulder of people talking to each other, and then they say something funny. There's like no artistic direction to it really. Um, yeah. And f- feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but um, 
yeah, so this movie just like it really resonated with me after I watched it the first time. And and the second time watching it, I think I got to appreciate, you know, that again, but also dive maybe into some of the um themes of the film, which I think is also a rare thing to come out of a comedy from and saying like this and maybe it's it is a bit surface level for some folks, but the film does kind of like address or or hint at these issues of um like losing your innocence and materialism and like um being and kind of dealing with uh these you know kind of wealthy rich suburban kids growing up and kind of getting away with whatever they want in a way um and i was thinking about that a lot over the last few days and so that's that's kind of all rolled into why i picked this film and why i was extremely bullish going in and still i'm very bullish after Mm. the watch Um, one of my favorite things about it is just kind of like the kind of like the the converse i don't know conversation but like the ideas that presents just about like capitalism in general um yeah <laughs> because like um tom cruise's character and like a lot of his friends are part of this like this club what was it called um, future enterprisers yeah, future enterprisers future yeah. enterprisers right and like they don't really like it they're just making like some dumb like inventions where you like write down a, a message from someone that, that called you on your phone back when there was no like answering machines or text messaging um but then like you know like he and he teams up with um lana right the the prostitute that that comes Mm -hmm. to his his home when he makes that call to like basically create their own their own business like he takes over from um i guess he doesn't quite take over but like lana like leaves her quote-unquote manager (laughs) And like, Guido the killer pimp. Guido in like yeah. one of the one of the standout scenes of the movie is like when he's chasing them in their in his car, and, and he's like. Side note: he, That's that's the guy that plays Cipher in the Matrix, right? Yeah, Joe Pantoliano. Oh, really? Bento- yeah. Pantoliano. Joe yeah. Pantoliano. He's okay. in he's in um, uh, what's the first Chris or the second Chris Nolan movie he made? Um, oh, um, with guy. Uh, Memento? Guy Pierce, or in yeah, oh, Memento, he's in, he, Memento, he's Memento, in Memento, Memento yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, anyways, <laughs> had, the, had that, that that car chase ends with like my favorite part of the movie. That my favorite laugh was when um, like Tom Cruise like evades him, and then like he just like tells his friend Porsche, "There is no substitute." <laughs> yeah, that was, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> just like an incredible line and an incredible delivery right there. But anyways, so like, uh, Tom Cruise, um, Joel, and Lana team up to like basically turn his home into like a brothel for a night right Mm -hmm. (laughs) to like make an insane amount of money off of like all of his friends who are like horny and and looking for because he dunked the porsche in the lake because he wants to pay back the porsche right but like there is kind of this like discussion of i feel like that kind of thing is like frowned upon a lot like you know like turning your house into a brothel just like (laughs) sex work in general like Uh, mm -hmm. yes it's something that like gets a lot of hate and it's like if everyone's consenting like i don't i don't see the issue with it but like i mean there might be some statutory uh concerns yeah that's something that the film yeah. never really addresses well, 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 yeah, that doesn't, that. That doesn't no get brought deal. up yeah <laughs> but like it's just like this discussion of like these like like lana and like joel are like enterprising better like than all of these like kids who are just doing like the generic like thing that they're like led to do right like they're like in the path they're like told to go on to like make money this way with like marketing this product and like Mm -hmm. they kind of go 
outside the box they like forge their own path and like they kind of blow everything that everyone else is doing out of the water Um, and why waste your time with school when you can just open a brothel you know (laughs) yeah so it's it's weird because it's like it's not exactly like anti-capitalist because like they are doing like the most capitalist thing ever right like yeah they're like exploiting people to make money right it's more like like anti-conformist in a way yeah but like it's just i like i like that kind of like presentation like that discussion of like they're just doing like the same sort of thing everyone else is doing right Mm -hmm. and i thought that was really like unique and something that you'd never really see in a in a movie nowadays or i can't think of any other instance where i've kind of seen that that presented um that's one thing i really liked about it i see what you're saying that feels like a bit of a reach to me like i i i I get the point, but I don't know if I necessarily saw that line being drawn within the movie of like, oh, like, oh, like, I didn't. There wasn't anything to compare what he was doing to. Like, there were some like there, there's short literally a discussions. scene where like it's like the, the the final day of like the young enterprisers, and like they're all. This is how the movie ends, right? They're right. Like, I invented this, and I made three hundred dollars. And so the person's like, I invented this, I made two hundred dollars, and then Tom Cruise is like. I I made eight thousand dollars in one night. <laughs> no, no, no. Like that's, I, that's I remember the, the ending. I of remember the, movie. the like, scene. They definitely of course. pull a parallel. Look, I remember the, the scene. I just don't know if I'm gonna if I'm reading all this all that as like a criticism of of capitalism. <laughs> like, I'm I'm saying it's not necessarily a criticism. It's more like it's just an interesting like look at it, right? Just because like yeah. this idea of like sex work gets like frowned upon, and like this is like nothing anyone should ever do or whatever. But that they're like. It's just like presented like right next to the, the classic ways people are making money, the other ways people are making money, and like, I just kind of liked how they they presented it like that. Yeah, because they're they're I, they're all being extremely capitalist. Um, mm-hmm. And there's also that interesting discussion like in the um, the diner. I don't. He's like before the whole prostitution thing starts going. Like they're in a diner like discuss discussing um what they want to do with their futures, right? And all of Tom Cruise's friends are just like, oh, I want to do this. I want to get this job. I want to make a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. Somebody's like, I want to make a lot of cash. And Tom Cruise is over here. He's kind of like, is that all you people care about? Like making money? Yeah. And, <laughs> and then and, and they're like, yeah. And he's like, he's kind of taking this different approach. But then as the movie winds on, like he ends up doing the same thing as them also. Right. He just ends up right. doing what he has to to make a lot of money. Um, but he did it doing the thing he loved, Bryce, getting laid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But there's this just this great discussion in this movie of like you know either going along like the path that people expect you to go or kind of like forging your own way forward and doing things kind of unconventionally. Um, mm-hmm. that, that I really liked how they they presented that. Yeah, I think that to kind of to what you were saying, Chris, that it may be a bit of a a, a reach, and I want to just address that because. This film was made, you know, almost 40 years ago now in the 80s, like the peak of yeah. hedonism in the United States, I would say, maybe. Um, and this film, it, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it has like a very clear stance on any themes that it is. It maybe addresses. Um, I could even see that at the time, the film, it, like, you know, the end of the film basically results in Tom Cruise in this scene that Bryce just described, kind of, he does a voiceover and says, oh, well, I made $8,000 in one night. And then there's this final scene in the yard where Tom Cruise is doing yard work and his dad comes out. And it turns out yeah. that during the, the night that the house was turned into a brothel, the 
man from Princeton that came to interview Tom Cruise. And from the scene that they were in, the interview Rutherford. Did not, yes, Rutherford. <laughs> the interview did not go well at all. And it turns out that Tom Cruise still got into Princeton because basically one of the prostitutes went home with Rutherford and gave him a good time. And that was able to sway his position. And so I think that maybe in in the 80s, the takeaway from this film was like, hey, this is a good kid. He got what he deserved after all, which I don't I don't personally like that interpretation. That may have been the initial kind of takeaway people got early on. But for me, that last scene is kind of like kind of pointing a critical lens at this this group of like kind of wealthy uh, elite, generally white people. I mean, I think. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, I think that one thing the movie is kind of saying is just that like. It's sort of a how everything revolves around money and like like kind of going off what you're saying like money everything in in this movie is basically you make some bad decision, right? The the decision has consequences. But you can make the consequences go away if you have enough money. And mm-hmm. you know, w- without having access to that kind of money, you're kind of screwed basically. But I feel like there's sort of a corruption almost that's being pointed out sort of at the center of this movie because, like, you know, it's basically a very irresponsible rich kid, you know, just causing absolute destruction, right? And he should be, you know, in prison, dead, (laughs) like, all sorts of things. At at least not going to Princeton, right? (laughs) Yeah, but instead he's like, you know, everything worked out just because of money. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I feel like. Yeah, I think you, you expressed kind of like how I was saying it was like critiquing capitalism better than. Yeah, than I was saying it because like like all the characters like do extremely capitalist things like Tom Cruise, like expresses early on that, like he wants to just do something else. He doesn't he's not only interested in money, but then money kind of like drives the rest of the story. And is like the reason he's doing everything that he's doing and kind of that that corruption of he's able to get away with it and like, you know, Princeton still lets him in is kind of all, all wraps into that idea. Yeah. Yeah. And even, even at the end, like he's, he's kind of like doubtful of whether the experience, the in the air tonight interactive experience he had on the, on the train (laughs) with, uh, with Lana was real. He's, he doubts the authenticity and the genuine nature of that experience because he's not sure if it was motivated by love or, or by money and mm-hmm. you know deep down in his head he's like well it's probably money right cuz you know he went back and all his stuff was missing so he so it's like money it kind of creeps into all these areas of life and and sort of makes every relationship transactional you know like he did horrible things while his parents were away but the movie ends with his father being proud of him simply because he was able to get his money situation right restore the porsche basically bribe his way into princeton right mm-hmm. so it's like it's 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 almost like it's not only the relationships with between the the customers and the prostitutes that, that are transactional but it's like all of them you know what i'm saying yeah and, and i think that's kind of for me i don't think the film is necessarily like celebrating that aspect of no that, i don't think the, it is at all yeah i, I think it's more critici- criticizing it and even in that yeah. i remember the first time i watched it the last scene between Joel Goodson and his father is 
I was I remember being like kind That's of great. sad. It's a good scene, but it's also I was kind of sad because like in the the, the night when he he decides, well, I guess it's the University of Illinois. <laughs> Which is, line also. which is another like super weird line because he just like it's just a close-up of tom cruise he puts on his sunglasses and he's kind of talking to no one and and yeah. and everyone at the same time um but there's that, also a great part where like he's trying to convince people to come to the the, the brothel party and like, yes yeah, right. somebody's like i'm gonna go to wisconsin he's like oh big, big school because <laughs> they were talking about getting experience from the yeah. from the girls like you're gonna need yeah. experience to make it at wisconsin <laughs> yeah and and so for me like i felt kind of sad during that last moment because tom cruise had kind of he'd he decided that you know Maybe he doesn't need to live up to the standards of his of his family or of his. He probably won't, right? Like making it into Princeton, like right. saying, okay, he's going to go to the University of Illinois, with which for a lot of people in the United States, it's still or like at least, really good. Like you can still get a great career out of that. Like <laughs> exactly. And then when he's frown upon, and when his father decides or comes and tells him, you know, the good news, quote unquote, um, he is, uh, like you can tell that he's kind of not sure, like if he wants to wants to go there or not but I, I think what you were saying bryce is like he ultimately will be driven to go there because that's like the correct thing to do or the right thing to do being yeah. someone from that like having this external pressure applied to him and i think that ultimately kind of the greater emphasis that this film had for me was like highlighting how and you kind of touched on this a bit chris like most other people if they had gotten up to the the crazy antics and hijinks that joel goodson does during the film would be locked away or or yeah. dead or in a much worse situation than he ends up being and ultimately the reason why he was able to kind of ex- escape was because he came from this like very privileged very wealthy background yeah. and he was literally able to like bank off of all the money that his rich friends had to pay these prostitutes because like what high school kid has you know just three hundred dollars lying around they've all um, got bank bonds yeah all these kids <laughs> yeah. that have bank bonds from the 60s um uh and that's what i'm saying i think that the more we talk about it, i feel like this this movie is is certainly i feel like i don't know the backstory of like whoever wrote the movie or the director but like it seems to be written from the perspective of someone who has looked upon this kind of wealthy class and looked at like the the hedonism and especially like what happens to people when they're just like handed a silver spoon at birth I feel like this is written from the perspective of someone who looks upon those people with a bit of disgust. And maybe this movie is sort of just gently teasing out a kind of skewering of that whole kind of demographic, but Mm -hmm. doing it in such a subtle way that you can watch this movie, totally miss all that, and just think of how fun it is to watch Tom Cruise slide across the floor in his underwear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I and I think I agree with that. Um, It's still, you still sound... There still seems to be like some I don't know if disdain <laughs> is the right word, but some like uh, like some hesitancy in your voice. Well, no, it's I'm just kind of like I'm honestly like confused as to why this movie is is famous or like considered <laughs> iconic. I'm not oh, saying no. I didn't like it. I'm just I'm just like uh-huh. I, I'm like I wonder why people like it doesn't feel like some sort I of feel like, like most people have not like like me. I hadn't seen it. I feel like most people like actually haven't seen the movie. I feel like they just know that song and that one scene yeah. from like advertising and commercials and stuff, which is like mm-hmm. kind of funny when you think about yeah. you know the, the the themes of the movie itself. Um, but I think like maybe like when it came out, it was big, 
I think like it made a lot of money at the box yeah, office. It it made it, it had a budget of six point two million and it made sixty three point five million. Wow. So, yeah, so like in the eighties that's definitely a lot. Talk about um, an ROI. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like I feel like nowadays like most people like haven't actually seen the movie. They just know mm-hmm. about that scene and that it's famous and they don't really know like what it's about. Um, yeah. I think that's I, my experience also because I had not seen it before. All I knew was the one mm-hmm. sentence when I started watching it, and then I ended up really liking it. Yeah, and I think kind of to your point about you're not really sure why this movie was was famous. I think that um, what I was I would mention this a bit earlier, but basically like this film came out in '83, and people, or even if the director had this intention of just maybe maybe he did want to skewer kind of the the wealthy elite in a way. I kind of doubt he was made this film as like a celebration of of that group no, of people. No, well, it doesn't seem that way, right? Because it, it's no, like no, but I think that maybe this film has taken on more, or like that 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 thematic element has been emphasized further, especially with how the climate around or like the focus on like wealth disparity has increased in the last 10, 15 years, and maybe yeah. like we're more sensitive and more aware of it than people maybe were when it first came out. Um, that's a lot of like speculation, but that's just kind of a thought that that, I, that had crossed my mind while thinking well, about. Well, I mean, like all good, you know, film, television, media, you know, <laughs> art. It should art. It should be subtle. I mean, it shouldn't just write, you know, hashtag Occupy Wall Street. Like, yeah. In the title sequence, like it should be subtle, and and I think it should be something where maybe you you might think there's a criticism there. Or maybe there's not, and like it's kind of up to the viewer to sort of figure that out for themselves. I think that's like a good a good thing. Yeah. Okay. It's just interesting because I feel like there's a there's something dark about the movie that I feel like was just a bit like half. I feel like it kind of went halfway there, and I kind of wanted it to go more there. Oh man, you know what I'm saying. I mean, I th- I think it does a really good job of like showing you like how much like danger and like fear like the the women have that are like prostitutes like from from their their uh pimp guido right like yeah it feels like the entire movie like they're on edge like they're they are like an extreme danger right like there's the sequence where like she's running away from guido like she hops in yeah. tom cruise's porsche and then she's like come on we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go and you're, you're like scared for her right but like tom mm-hmm. cruise yeah. is just like i'll get you out of here if you give me back my egg like he's not like He's he's not scared, right? He's like, yeah. He's completely straight faced, like playing it cool. Um, maybe his friend in the back gets a bit scared when when the the gun comes out. Um, yeah. But I feel like it shows like this disparity between like these women who are like, you know, just doing like everything they need to do like day to day to just like survive, like pay their rent, um, you know, eat, versus like Tom Cruise who is like can just get everything he wants from his his parents' cabinet or his parents. Right. Right. Um, it's a good point. You know, bank account, and I think it shows that that difference between these two lifestyles very well. Because like, there's also scenes like in the in Lana's home, her apartment, and in um, you know, you see where she lives versus where, where, where Tom Cruise lives, and you hear like about the first um, the first woman that had to like travel all the way out from the city to like to come yeah. here, <laughs> yeah. and it's also like the the um, right the, the his friend comes off like as, as a bit of an asshole for like wasting this woman's time, right? Um, yeah, so yeah. I feel like it does a really good job, like contrasting these two different, these two different worlds. You know, it's not like we're only seeing the rich, privileged people. We're getting we're getting a look, and the other the other you know, people people as well. Yeah, 
And I think that's what I appreciate about the film is that it's able to handle that kind of like subject matter, but it still provide what I think is a pretty entertaining and a, again, a very stylish experience. Um, I want to, we haven't really talked about some of my favorite moments from the movie so far. Um, and, and hopefully we can kind of discuss this before we, you know, wrap up and get into our, our ratings for sure. But, um, I'll start off with the opening dream sequence um, where it, the film starts actually with it's like an initial title role. And then the, the train in downtown Chicago is like, uh, you know, crossing through the night. And then it starts with a close up on Tom Cruise. And he says the dream is always the same. And then it g- dives into this dream <laughs> sequence of him kind of him kind of like exploring his neighbor's house and ultimately coming upon a naked woman showering who, you know, he thinks he's going to make advances on. But then he ends up. Uh, losing her and then winding up late for his class and I just I think that scene is so incredible because it captures this like weird like uh, like sexual like dream nature of like you know like seniors in high school or like high school students and then you have pulls you into the movie (laughs) yeah and then you have that like the 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 like twiddling electronic music in the background from from Tangerine Dream, and it just like sets the stage so well. And there are other moments like that where, you know, it's introduced initially. This film is like basically started in a dream sequence, but then the rest of the film has these sequences that are, they seem dreamlike, but I'm fairly certain they actually happen. Um, the the next one that stands out to me is when Lana first arrives at Joel's house, and you get that the 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 guitar chords from the, the, yeah. the song strumming again and she walks in and Joel kind of approaches her and as they start getting to business the door flies open and like wind is blowing yeah. leaves into the room yeah. and it's very dramatic and it's just like there's so many excellent scenes like that are, that are just kind of surreal it's like a and, very very 80s thing I've seen other movies that where the sex scenes just like go into this surrealist territory but it's actually not a dream yeah but they, they do things where they just like you know like, like you said, like the all the windows blow open, and it's like you're just supposed to believe it, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, there, there I, I like that great actual dream dream sequence, though, right? Where where he's like with the the babysitter or whatever. Oh yeah, <laughs> and like like the entire like force of like the Chicago PD like shows up outside his house, and like and her his dad. parents are out there, and they're all like yelling like, "Get off the babysitter! <laughs> Come out with your hands up!" And it's just. This yeah. super super great sequence also. I, I think one of the the soundtrack or one of the songs off the soundtrack from this film is called "Get Off the Babysitter." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I listened to the score after watching the movie. While oh I was man. working the other day, it's it's great. Yeah. One thing I gotta say, you know, we're talking about some of these like hyper stylized moments, and it just it's interesting because like I I feel like. Like when the movie opens, I was like confused. I was like, "Am I watching the wrong movie?" Because we have this like super sick like train shot. Like the music is dope, and like I felt like it was like, "Is this like like did I literally click the wrong movie?" Because it felt like I was getting into some sort of like noir mystery synthwave mm-hmm. thriller kind of thing. And there's there's more moments where it kind of dips into that territory, and I just feel like, and look, maybe maybe you guys can disagree, but I feel like this movie almost had like an obligation to be a comedy. It like it felt like it felt like it was a comedy because solely because the plot was so preposterous that like it wouldn't make sense to not be a comedy, but it didn't actually want to be a comedy necessarily. Yeah. 
I feel like it's more a drama with like some funny parts. Like I don't, I would not call this just like a straight up right. comedy film. But yeah. my, but what I'm saying is that I feel like it had an obligation to be a comedy, and some scenes were like fulfilling that obligation. And then, but really, they wanted to do much more of like a thriller, suspense kind of thing, and it just felt like a bit disjoint because it's like, it felt like they're floating back and forth a little bit tonally. You know, and that kind of like was a bit um, just just like I just didn't know where it was landing. Like, like what what is this movie? You know what I mean? Like some, I just felt like like I couldn't quite pin it down, you know, with like some I, of the I tonal didn't, shifts. I didn't, feel, I didn't feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. I thought they like transitioned between the two pretty well. And like, you know, when it needed to be serious, it was serious. And then they like relieve the tension, you know, with like. Tom Cruise saying there's no substitute for a Porsche after, you know, they, they, you think they're about to die. Like they, they dropped I mean, it in. That in like sequence was moments. good. That sequence yeah. was pretty good. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, I, I get, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't think that this should be maybe advertised as a comedy. Like, I don't know how else you would try to describe it. Um, but it, yeah. it definitely is not like a slap your knee and laugh the whole time kind of film. Like there are definitely, some comedic elements but i would argue there probably are more dramatic elements in the film well that's what i'm saying i'll put it like this if someone was walking into the movie right and Mm -hmm. you catch them outside of the theater and you tell them you're about to see a laugh out loud comedy they're probably going to want their money back at the end of the movie right if yeah if you tell that same person you're about to see an edge of your seat thriller they're also probably going to want their money back at the end of the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, I feel like it tries to do both, and it does a good job at both, but it doesn't do a great job at either because it has to, like, live, exist between these two genres. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I can see that. If, I think if that... you wanted to assign this one genre, it would just be, like, 80s movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is a genre I love. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that a film can ride the line between genre i mean like i I know i mean there's a there's a whole like hyphenated genre category i would say but then like i think that it does a good job in both regards and i think that might just be like we're at a difference of opinion at this point yeah Um, Yeah. i yeah i don't know i definitely do not see this as like a a pure comedy by any means but um it, it does have some some funny moments and i think that the while the the prep what is it while like what the hell is the word i'm looking for um the You're like pulling a bryce yeah i know thank you sorry like basically the subject matter like the overall plot like is a little like out there in terms of the, the, the premise that was the god that was the mm-hmm. word i was looking for the premise mm-hmm. is like a little out there and a little wild like i don't know if it necessarily requires the like the fact like com- comedy to kind of like alleviate and acknowledge oh this is such a bizarre premise like there's no way this could actually happen unless we make it funny in a way I mean, it makes the movie more fun at least i thought <laughs> yeah um but get, getting back into some of the the other uh the the last scene i want to talk about that i love is the the moment where, which we mentioned earlier where in the air tonight begins playing and you get to ride the chicago l all the way through <laughs> this sequence of um this very strange and weird uh sequence where joel and lana leave the party at Joel's place to go ride the train around Chicago at night until their car is clear. And then they finally make love on a real train. 
as they Lana to, says. They have to carry the homeless man off the <laughs> the train, like another you know class difference, slight small um, it, and it, criticism it's just, there, right? They're like these two are like just trying to use trying this to bang. Like, public. <laughs> Yeah. public space to do what they want with it when like, this guy is just trying to yeah. ride the train and they, they pull him off of it for their own selfish reason yeah and it's just it's it's such a weird scene like the the fact that they're they're like waiting they're just like waiting for people in the car to leave so they can get down to to their business and it just and the the you, the fact that you get phil collins in the background you get the the, the drums and then eventually it cuts to once they're alone in the car, this like very pretty like drawn out sequence of them, you know, having sex. And then it cuts to different shots of the L like in this single car that they're in for some reason, like <laughs> riding around Chicago at night. And like and then it, it goes there's a stylistic choice or there's a, a moment where um the camera, I think, like drops frames. Like, I don't know if it drops like 12 frames per second or what. But yeah, then you get the, it. it... It, it almost like, looked like it was like a miniature or something, which might have to do with might have to do with like changing the shutter speed. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah, sure. It, that was a weird shot. I know exactly what shot you're talking about. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. I remember watching that the first time, and I was like, like I was just like my mouth was like on the floor the whole time, like watching that scene. Like it's so bizarre, and I think I, I tend yeah. to like very bizarre things. Um, and, and that just, like, stood out as, like, my favorite moment of the whole movie. And I, like, go back. I listen to that song, Love on a Real Train, like, all the time. Like, just, like, because it's such a cool song, too. Yeah, every time you're riding the BART to work. Ah, uh, yes. Not anymore. I gotta but, say, but yeah. every time I listen to In the Air Tonight, when those drums drop, no matter what I'm doing. You're always, I, like. I, I, I air drum air-drum those oh, drums. Yeah. So it's, I gotta say. Like, I felt like the usage of the song, if you're going to pull that card out, if you're going to use that song and you're going to use the drop, I feel like, I don't know. I feel was like it a little really weak gotta, for you? I felt like it was a little weak. Just what little What is weak. the is the moment when the, the, the homeless man is, like, just staring at them? And, and then the, the, when the when the drop comes in, it's just a shot of the homeless guy staring at them. Yeah. Okay. Just, yeah. I, I, I can see that. It You're right. It is a little weak. Um, <laughs> it, I don't that, know. That, I, it's so the strange. The whole sequence was kind of like, like, I was confused. Well, not confused. I was just a little curious about like why they were playing up like the their passionate romance so much. It didn't really seem to like. I mean, I guess you, you can think about it. It's just like the passions of a an eighteen year old boy, sure. But it didn't. It didn't really seem to necessarily do much for the overall story. I mean, it seems very like weird in the moment. But then, yeah. like, as you get to the ending of the movie, like, it's kind of, like, the core event that, like, you know, ends the movie kind of in, like, a more of a questioning place thematically versus, like, a, oh, I know what this is about, right? Because, like, you know, that whole time that he's he's away on the train with her, his yeah, house right. is getting cleared out by... Um, like Guido, Guido and another woman. I don't remember what... I know, but the movie, the movie her, her still ends is. with with... It seems like... We're supposed to take their relationship seriously. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think it ends movie. with you. You don't know what to make of it. I think it ends with you don't know if she was just playing him. Like, is he gonna go off to college and then never see her again, or are they gonna like continue being? I think you have no. I I personally I have no idea where they landed when the movie ended. Like, I I wrote down a question here. Like, I was Lana playing him during that whole final sequence or not? Like, I yeah. I did not know. I think that's kind of like one of the things you're supposed to question as the movie ends, like, right? Like, are they like, 
valuing money and above all else or at this point like have those two like as their relationship actually like transcended that and now they are just like actually like together and i think and look i it see leaves that, that i think it leaves that question open i think it's like a very very i good see question. that it's an interesting idea i feel like the execution is a little lacking like i just i, I see it but i just didn't see it on the screen necessarily mm-hmm. like it, it yeah. really reminded have you, have you ever seen the graduate i have actually haven't seen that i need to, okay. I need to see it, that. it really reminds me of how that movie ends because like he's also like in this whirlwind romance in that movie and like it ends in the point where it's it's again questioning like are they really together in love or was they just doing this romance because like it made sense um and like and, and the movie ends on like a weird note where like it's it's a very famous scene i i I think I can spoil it. Oh, no, I, I know the scene. Yeah, I, I've seen But it, it like ends it with ends. them like just married, like sitting on a bus and like you yeah. think everything's happy. Mm-hmm. And then like just like the camera just like looks at their faces and they're like, like it's, a, it's just like a face of confusion. It's like a, it's like a now what kind of oh, kind of yeah. moment. Um, yeah. And it feels very, not, not the exact same, but I felt like a very similar feeling as this ended with like, you're like, now what? Like, are they in it for the money or are they in it for each other? And I think it's a really good way to, to end this movie that's kind of been questioning this kind of idea about how people are driven by money the the whole time yeah yeah i, I mean, definitely i guess it's presumed that he's gonna stay in the uh adult entertainment in- business. industry <laughs> yeah i i think it, it kind of goes back i think you brought up this point earlier chris about how it it comes to these react relationships being very transactional and kind of yeah. everything being dri- driven by money and the end of the film like bryce said keeps it a little ambiguous in a way where maybe they are just in it like they, they they are going through and it's a transactional relationship but they enjoy what they get out of the transaction and so they're going to continue doing that and i think like the last line that tom cruise has is like or, or lana proposes to him and says hey i'd like i think it'd be nice if we spent the night together tonight and he said it'll cost yeah. you and it's i think it's a, a moment where you know they're they're both into you know what they get out of this transaction and you know being with each other having sex with each other but maybe it's it's that's all it is it is just a transaction in that way and like you know i who i don't think any of us are like negging on and saying that that's bad that like the transactions for sex are bad it's just that um like maybe that's how that's what the movie's leaving it up to the 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 audience to like kind of ponder that and i I think it's more like interpreting like are they like you know caring about each other like it's something deeper or are they just in it for like you know the the physical or the material mm-hmm. gain. I don't think the movie's ever at, at any point saying like prostitution is bad. Like there's there's like a bit where they're kind of like all we did was like provide your friends with like an evening of well that's that's what I think enjoyment. the point of the movie is. I, I think it's saying that like it's not that prostitution is bad, but I think it's saying that a lot of aspects of life and society operate in a way that is similar to yeah. prostitution yeah. especially yeah. yeah exactly areas where people may f- think of themselves as being superior to mm-hmm. the prostitutes yeah i think that's fair um we're going a, a bit long do you guys want to maybe get into a last call before we hop into ratings yeah yeah okay a couple last call sorry right. i think for a sec I, I got i've got through most everything i had um the, okay. one, the one thing I really liked that we didn't bring up was when he's like in the nurse's office um, asking to like be excused for missing yeah. his, his midterms or whatever. It's just, like this great moment where like you see like he wants to get back on, you know, the expected path. Um, and it's just like he just creates this really great feeling of like once like you make this one mistake, 
you are off of that path now. And like, he feels like incredibly trapped and like, he's like begging, like he doesn't get, get down on one knee asking for like this excuse, but like, it feels like it. And it just kind of feels well, like he grabs the nurse around the throat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's pretty that, wild. That's, that's just like a great feeling of like him feeling like trapped and hopeless because he's made like this one single, I guess it's kind of like one mistake snowballs into a lot more, but um, I really like that moment. And then the other thing that was beg- bugging me the entire movie was that like his, his friend that originally calls the prostitute in the first place. Um, I couldn't like, he seemed extremely familiar to me, but I couldn't <laughs> figure out who it was. And it turns out I knew him because he plays like, the principal that works at um, Zoe Deschanel's school in New Girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he's like a character actor in a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, it, it, it was really bugs me. Like, I know this guy. I know this guy. And then when it yeah. ended, I like looked it up and I'm like, okay, that's so random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all I got. Okay. Chris, you want to take it? Last call? I don't have any last call. Um, oh, man. I think, I think I got all my points out. <laughs> okay. Um, one very brief thing for me, this is just something I kind of realized watching this film is, um, I think I'm a big fan of, and this is our essential vocabulary word for the day, diegetic music in films. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's only one moment in this movie that I, I think it happens and it's when Joel is, it's this weird first person shot where Joel is walking around the house, like talking to his dad before they leave to go on this vacation. And there's this music playing. Uh, that opens the scene as he's sitting at the table talking to his mom over breakfast and then he gets up and he goes into the living room with his dad and his dad like is uh, opens up the speaker cabinet and is yeah. like saying oh are, are is this does this look right is it is there a preponderance of bass perhaps and then he shuts yeah. it off and the music in the scene shuts off because it was playing through the speakers right, um, right. that's just something i think is is kind of cool and i enjoyed that that aspect okay, i do have it. a last call um <laughs> th- so that that scene and also another scene um when he's dropping them off at the airport, there was like this very interesting use of like a first person yeah. mm-hmm. perspective there. And I thought it really worked quite well in that, um, in that scene with the, uh, the, the music. Um, it was kind of like his parents, like sort of telling him all the things that he needs to do and all the kind of like what kind of person he needs to be basically mm-hmm. through all these little small instructions, you know, but we trust um, you to, to make the right decision. Yep. Yeah. And I, I thought it was a good, it was a good way to like set up, the movie especially with that first person view because it's like you know he can do whatever he wants right but like you know you have these faces in front of you of these figures of authority sort of telling you um you know this is what you're supposed to do so it kind of sets up that decision that he has and i just kind of it was interesting because it was a really cool device that they didn't return to ever Mm -hmm. um but i thought i thought it, it it really stood out those couple of moments there yeah uh cool well uh we can get into the ratings now i've been my my hands have slowly <laughs> been growing sweatier as i've listened to you guys talk more about the movie yeah. so um i guess bryce do you want to kick us off i think i'll go and then chris will be the the deciding vote <laughs> yeah so like i said um i feel like i felt that cole was tossing us a softball here apparently it oh. wasn't it wasn't the case for chris um but I, I really liked it. I'm kind of a sucker for these these 80s movies, these 80s like coming of age movies, like the teen, the teen comedy movies. Um, I thought this one was was fantastic. I just had a great time watching it. We didn't mention how great um, the actress who played Lana was as well. Um, mm-hmm. Rebecca De Mornay. She's like she holds her own against Tom Cruise even, even probably does 
ex- ex- exceeds his performance. Um, but it's just it's just a great movie. I feel like as we've like been discussing the themes more here, like I kind of like had them like generally like in my head while I was watching, but I hadn't really like expressed it in such a sense that we were able to today. So I think that made me like it even more. Like trying to trying to like defend the movie from Chris. <laughs> um, so I think I'm going to give it. Um, Ah, shoot. Screw it. I'm going to give it five stars. Oh. Whoa. Oh, boy. was not expecting I, I don't, that. I don't, I don't have any, like, thing I didn't like about it. Yeah. Whoa. Talk about well, handing out the, the stars. I mean, to films that deserve <laughs> it's like, it's it. It's, like, Chris. up there with, like, Ferris Bueller and, like, The Graduate with, for me as far as, like, All right. coming of age hey, movies hey, going. And, like, they are, like, I and, think... like, they are, like, one of my favorite Listen, genres. Listen, Bryce, so, like... they're your stars. We trust you to do the right thing with them. Uh, the battle lines are being redrawn <laughs> uh, I changed my mind. Four and a half. Four and a half. Oh. I liked, well, you I can't liked, let um... me intimidate you out of a half star. No, <laughs> I, I liked... What was the one I saw in the round table? I liked that one more. Oh, the worst person in the world? Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. Four and a half. Still a very respectable score for a very respectable film. Thank you, Bryce. Um... I'll I'll go it now as to not corrupt the scoring mechanism for the rest of the the episode. Um, when I first saw this film, I also rated it four and a half stars, um, and that was like immediately after watching it. And after I just could not stop thinking about it in the following days, and I realized like just thinking back and like could not think of any moments I didn't like. I think a lot of we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but like going into films with low or, or no expectations is kind of what we strive for and i feel like that's it's something you can again strive for but maybe never really achieve um i didn't really know much about this movie going in but as i said i expected kind of like a ferris bueller's day off type romp and instead you're treated to this very strange kind of dark kind of funny pretty sexual film that ultimately like defied Extremely sexual film. (laughs) Yes, defied like all expectations that I had and did it in a way that was like stylish and compelling and has kind of a a thematic takeaway, which again, you don't, I feel like you don't get a lot of that in films or especially in comedic films or, you know, borderline comedic films these days. And so I I upped my score after my initial watch to five stars and it's going to be staying at five stars. Wow. um, For this film. I'm going back to five stars. I mean, wow. I, I have no complaints about the movie, and I loved it. I don't know how I can give that. I don't know how the, I don't know where I, why I'm subtracting a star just because. Like, well, de- depending on what Chris rates it, your half star difference may not matter, right? So yeah. let's let's see, Chris. You know. <laughs> well, look, I I wrote down what I was going to rate it before you guys talked, just because so ah. I didn't want to get in any politicking. So this rating is 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 not the result of any type of politics. Look, I think it's a it's a good movie like there's some some interesting ideas there um there's certainly some stylistically cool moments i think it's it's likely a misunderstood i don't even know if misunderstood is the right word it seems like an unknown movie as far as like what it, the point well of it actually known, is unknown movie yeah like yeah. people all know something about it but no one knows what it actually is because i think that if people knew what it was it probably wouldn't be famous or popular Besides the fact that like Tom Cruise is in it, it's like early Tom Cruise. That obviously helps. But yeah, I, I just feel like it's a bit uneven. I don't feel necessarily that it works amazingly well as a comedy nor as a thriller. Not saying that it has to 
be both of those things or either of them, but like I feel like it was trying to straddle those genres, which is a delicate balancing act, which I feel like it didn't necessarily pull off that well. Certainly a bold movie. I'm sure it was extra bold to be making a movie like this in 1983. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I definitely some, some props for that and some good moments. Tom Cruise and um, um, the rest of the cast was pretty great. I've, I've liked Tom Cruise in like every movie I've seen him and he brings this weird intensity <laughs> even to this movie that's like so like discomforting oh. that like you just can't take your eyes off him. We got to watch Days of Thunder next. Yeah, and he had that quality. We got to watch Magnolia for the podcast. (laughs) And it's it's impressive to see that he had that quality even as a twenty-one-year-old. So that was that was interesting, interesting thing to see. But um, overall, I'm going to sit this one at three stars. So you guys are getting what you want. Anyways, oh. but I wasn't <laughs> going to drop down to two. I knew he f- was. I knew he was going to give it three. I don't know. Yeah, oh. I wasn't going to drop to two and a half just out of spite. That's not the kind well, of person I am. Well, thank you. So by the skin of our teeth, <laughs> three cross, stars. Put, just pushing the Porsche over the finish line. Yeah, take to, your damn seal. It came down to my indecision. Yeah. Well, <laughs> take your damn seal. <laughs> certainly a, a respectable uh, move from the gentleman from New York. Thank you, Chris, <laughs> for your your. Uh, <laughs> You're just passable score. Um, you heard it here first, folks. Risky Business has received the Essential Viewing Seal of Approval with a cumulative score of 13 out of 15 stars. Uh, go watch this movie. It's on HBO Max. It's a good time. It deserves the seal. Yeah. Li- at least listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack is amazing. Um, as just, for Whatever you do, don't just watch the one scene with the socks. Watch the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's so much more. They should um, do a director's cut that doesn't have that scene in it. <laughs> yeah, right. It's it, yeah, it's it's pretty. It's kind of yeah. Uh, it it stands out and not in a good way. Um. Anyway, next week we'll be continuing this thread of vaguely, well, not even really vaguely sexual films. Next week we'll be watching X, the 2022 slasher film directed by Ty West, starring Mia Goth, Jenna Ortega, and Scott Muscuti, otherwise known as Kid Cudi. Um, along with some other folks, um, I'm I'm pretty excited for this. I had not even heard of it until maybe a few weeks ago, so um, I'm I'm tentatively bullish. But I'm uh, bearish as hell. Oh man, I've got the flamethrowers greased up for this one. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm getting ready to to Hulk smash this movie, but we'll see. I mean, I'm no, I mean, I, I, it seems like a healthy. Healthy uh, expectation to come in with, but yeah, we'll we'll yeah, see. Chris, I'm... Chris is Chris is gonna be torturing us whenever it's his pick again. It's oh gonna god, be, it's gonna yeah. get brutal in in essential viewing here. Oh god, we'll be paying for our sins. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, join us next week as we discuss X, uh, and it should be it should be an interesting time. Um, as always, I've been uh, well, not always your host, but as always, I'm Cole Bielan, joined by Christian Cuevas and Bryce Kramer. And thank you all for listening to Essential Viewing.